0: To Titus chapter 2, We're reading from uh, verse 1 to 14, and Dylan's going to come and uh, read that part of the Bible for us. Titus chapter 2. You must teach yourself
1: what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self controlled, and sound in love, faith in love and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Saviour attractive. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, and to purify himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you.
0: Okay, if you keep your Bibles over there, that would be great. And uh, we will have uh, a chance as well to hear from some of the, the youthies at some point in the middle of the talk. And just because, you know, it's different... There's a couple of questions for you out there as well and there's rewards, okay. Keeping with, you know, youth group, kind of, you know, lollies and sugar. It's good, okay. Uh, We were going to do something a little bit different uh, with this morning. We were going to have a a camp with youth group, uh, Connect Youth, last week, the last week of school. This didn't turn out um, to didn't really happen in the end so I thought well it's a good opportunity just this morning as we invite the youth to be part of service and you know have little ones amongst us just to think about what it means to be family and so uh, that's the reason this morning so how about we pray though before we look at God's word let's talk to God. Heavenly Father we do thank you for your word we thank you that it's living and active and it speaks directly to us through the work of your spirit. Father, we pray that uh, as we consider what it means to be family, uh, that you would be uh, helping us and that you would be uh, challenging us, correcting us and teaching us. Uh, So in all things, we'd be able to give you glory when we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) I've been reading this book lately. Uh, It's quite a long book. It's a book that I come back to time and time again. It's got a whole lot of different plots that kind of all weave together and all the plots come together in the end. And in this book, there's a whole lot of stories about families in it. There's some really big families, uh, and there's some really small families. And as I read this book, I'm reminded just how messy and complicated and difficult families can often be. You see, in this book, in one family, a man kills his brother. Uh, There are parents who abuse alcohol. In another family, a man offers his wife to another man. Uh, In another family, a mother and son plot against their uh, husband and father. In another family, a son sleeps with his mother in law. In another family, there's uh, a community leader and he has an affair and his kids are just out of control. Uh, in another family, there's parents who lose their son for three days at a time. <laughs> Not sure if you've ever been in that situation where you've had a child maybe or you've babysat a kid and they've just gone missing for three days. There's, there's parents in this book and different families in this book that are messy and complicated and awkward and you read this book and think, wow, what, what is going on? Now, before you think, what kind of dodgy reading material is this guy into? Can anyone guess the book that I'm talking about? Bible. Well done. First lolly. Very good. It is the Bible. I'll throw it over. <coughs> Very good. It's the Bible. And these people that I've just described are actually the main characters in the Bible. There's Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Eli, King David, Mary and Joseph. I'm not sure if you can really blame them for losing the Son of God for three days, but it's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) It's interesting, isn't it? And so when it comes to thinking about family, is there actually anything in the Bible that's going to help us within our own families? Is there anything actually worth following from the Bible when we think about how a family is to live? I think the answer that we'll get this morning is yes, definitely. Uh, and what we know from Bible times is that families were just as dysfunctional, just as messy, just as complicated as they are today. Back in the Bible times to today, really, it's no different. And I'm sure you've heard the stats, I don't, probably don't need to go there, on, on family breakdown, on abuse, on neglect. But you see, the great hope that we have, and we read those stories in the Bible, is that God didn't actually wait for those families to be perfect, to be all shiny and all happy on the outside. He used those situations that we just heard about for His purposes and for His glory to be achieved. You see, God's plans are bigger than people's brokenness, bigger than our own brokenness, bigger than the brokenness of the families in the Bible. And the great assurance that we get is that God uses us in our families, in our wider church family as well, in all our messy, complicated, broken lives. There's good hope, there's good news ahead. And so that's what we're going to think about this morning as we think about the way that the family is described in the Bible, as we hear about the way the family is celebrated in the Bible, how we have a new family through Jesus, and how we're to be one big counter-cultural family within the community that we live in here uh, in the Richmond Valley. Now what we know from the very start of the Bible is that family was actually put in place by God. Uh, Adam and Eve were given the directive, be fruitful and increase in number. But we know that a couple of pages later, in a chapter later, things start to go pear-shaped when sin, a breaking of relationship with God, comes into it all and families from there start to become dysfunctional. And as you flick through the Old Testament, you get instructions in books like the, the wisdom literature, like in Psalms and Proverbs of the picture of how families are to live in response to what God had done for them. And it's no different as you move into the the New Testament that family lived God's way. Well, it's actually great and it's actually to be celebrated. And there's a few verses in Ephesians 6 that help us see the way families are to be upheld as they seek to live for God. And I'm just going to get Dylan... To come and read that section. So if you've got a Bible there, feel free to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 1 to 4. We can follow along on the screen. All right.
1: Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. On your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay,
0: great. Okay, so, this is what it says about family celebrated in just these few verses in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 6. Um, firstly... Here's a question, Lolly's involved. Who is this part, um, it's written by Paul, who is it addressed to? Yeah. Yes, very good, well done. Okay, uh, specifically to the families, who are, there's like the first word there. <laughs> oh, very good, yeah, well done, well done. Oh, oh sorry, oh, heads up, yep. Yeah. And there's one more that I'm looking for in verse 4. Fathers, yes, very good, very good, well done, very good, yes, you can have one. And I'll just go that one too as well. Just go, oh, sorry, sorry, heads up. Yep, sorry, you snooze, you lose, sorry. Okay, Ephesians 6, 1-4, it's, it's actually addressed to children and uh, parents and uh, predominantly fathers. Now, this is not actually talking about grown-up children. Uh, This is uh, not talking about those who you know, are are about to, to leave and cleave or something like that. Paul's actually talking to little ones. He's actually talking to young kids. And it's written to them as well as their dads. And so I just think just that small point of that address in this letter, in this section of the letter, we can remember that kids really are never too young to hear from God's Word. It's not like we need to wait for them to grow up and before they can understand everything about God and the Bible and the Gospel, we need to wait for them to grow up until we start telling them about Jesus, we can start raising kids to know Jesus and even help parents with their role of, of raising kids to know Jesus from the age of naught. And you might have noticed there an important point. Uh, what, here's another question for some lollies involved. To the kids... Have a look, maybe look for verse 2. How are the kids to live in response to their parents? Oh, very good. Well done. Over there. Got him. Well, good. Very good. Honour your father. Yep. Stuck down. Yep. Practice here. Yep. Very good. Honour. Honour your father and mother, it's, it says to the kids there. Now, you probably hear at this point the you know, like collective sigh and the heart sink of all of the teenagers in the room. Like, really? Honour oh, mum and dad. But, here's where it's interesting, there's actually no blanket command to be obedient to parents uh, forever and ever in every single way and every single time in these verses. And that's where you might hear a collective, yes, all right, from the teenagers. But hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, teenagers, hang on. Uh, before you know start thinking, well, that means as soon as I get home, I can do whatever I want. I've always wanted to have to- toasted marshmallow and chocolate sauce for lunch on the sandwich or something like that. no, no. It does. It, there's no blanket command on being obedient all the time, but it does say, honour your mum and dad in the Lord. Honouring your parents as you live in response to what Jesus has done. Honouring uh, your parents in the role that they have in raising you. And really, for the, the really younger ones in our families, I, I think that being obedient to parents as we raise them, uh, well, that's really what it looks like to honour parents. So for the little ones honouring parents really is seen in being obedient to parents uh, as they're raised to know Jesus. But here's the thing, for those of us who are older and more independent from our parents, I don't know know, where that's at for you, whether in your transition time of heading into adulthood and even leaving home, or whether you have your own family now and your parents are grandparents, uh, or whether you visit your parents often, you might be working through all that at the moment, and it's important to remember we need to honour our parents in the Lord. Honour who they are. Now, at the same time, uh, there needs to be an acknowledgement here, doesn't there? Uh, because some of us have brokenness and selfishness of parents so it's just been hard and complicated and messy to, to even think, well, how can I honour my parents in that time, let alone even obey them? Uh, obviously, if, if your parents want you to live against God and His way, well, that's not suggested here at all, but we need to work out ourselves, well, what's it going to look like to honour our own parents in response to what Jesus and what He's done. Uh, perhaps forgiveness for something incredibly difficult. Uh, perhaps the respect for the way that you were raised to be kind and loving towards others. Maybe it's taking on board, you know, listening and, and taking on board what they say, but yet knowing that God's way and God's purposes uh, are the way to go. Maybe, like me personally, it's not having a whinge about my parents or my parents-in-law and how I would really, really want them to be. It's hard. It's complicated. It's messy. But yet we need to work out what it looks like in all our different situations to honour our parents in the Lord. Now, there's one more thing that we're just going to get our heads around in these verses. And it's uh, the role, an extra special role given to parents. How does it say... Uh, parents are to raise their children. Fathers, maybe verse 4. How are the fathers and parents said to raise their kids? Very good. In the Lord. Very good. I won't throw it, Betty. I'll give it to you after. (laughs) Fathers, parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training an instruction of the Lord. There's the answer for parents. Now, sometimes we can get caught in the thinking in our churches and uh, even at home thinking, well, we've just got to get our kids to learn about God and hear about Jesus and so we'll just leave it up to the kids' church teachers or we'll leave it up to the, the youth group leaders. I'm not saying it happens here, but sometimes it does happen in churches. And really the parents are think, oh, we've just got to make sure we get them along to, to youth group or kids' church so that they'll learn about it for themselves. On the flip side, of course, as well, sometimes the kids' church teachers and youth group leaders think, well, we have the sole purpose of telling these young ones about Jesus. And it's almost kind of running a competition uh, against the parents. And I think I need to be reminded of that. Well, we're actually partnering in, through Christ, uh, through Playgroup, through Kids' Church, through Connect Youth. We're actually partnering with parents Uh to help them in their role and to help young ones hear more about Jesus and what he's done. These programs that we have really aren't the be-all and end-all of getting young ones to hear about Jesus and and neither should they be some kind of competition to the parents in the home, but rather they're a complement. We partner uh, together with parents in the important stuff that goes on behind closed doors. Now, I'm just going to invite up three uh, youth guys uh, Dylan, Hannah, Bailey, come on up, and we're going to hear a little uh, about the things that they've learned in Connect Youth and uh, at church through the book of Exodus this term, we're going to hear uh, how Connect Youth helps them as a Christian, and we'll hear uh, what are some of the things that happen at home for them, in their families, that help them live as a Christian. So, first one, what have you learned from the book of Exodus, Connect Youth and church? Uh.
1: Well, how God helped Israel, and how He keeps His promises, no matter how long or in even the way it may not entirely be the way you expected Him to keep it. Um. Cool.
2: Um, I haven't exactly been here a lot this term, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the way like God's power, like when He got Moses to tell um, all the like believers to put the blood on their doors for yeah. when um, the angel of death came over so they would mm. be saved and they were saved it was pretty powerful of God
0: mm.
1: I learned that even though it may be scary or anything may happen that God is always with you and that he'll always pull you through the situation and whatever is happening
0: right and you know back the other way connect youth how is it uh, how does it help you as a Christian
1: it helped me connect with other people that are Christians around my age and helped me, helped me learn about the Bible in a more age-relevant area.
0: Right.
2: Um, I think it's great just seeing um, younger kids coming into youth. Um, with me, I haven't really got anyone really my age like that I hang out with, so it's just really encouraging seeing um, younger kids come along to learn about God because, yeah, it's not a lot of it around at the moment at school, so it's pretty hard for kids that are believing in God and at school, so it's great to see them come along and learn about
1: yeah. Yeah, type of, same type of thing with school as well it helps you get to know some of the kids who you see at school um, so new friends they know you're there to help out help them if they get in trouble or anything so okay. can be encouraging as well
0: hmm. and something we've just been thinking about family what's something that helps at home with, in your family that helps you as a Christian
1: we sometimes do Bible study at the table. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um We also have like this trivia book where like us a question and we're like, okay, who who did that? We have no idea, and then we find it out or we competition to find out, see who knows this stuff. Right.
2: Um, we do like devotions after um, dinner sometimes, which is really good because I don't really get much time. I should do it more than I do but you don't exactly get the time so it's really good just to have time after um, we eat dinner and we just talk and pray and like tell what our problems are so we can Mm. help each other pray and stuff and um, they're just always really encouraging they always just talk to you about oh so what's this um, like is this you honouring God Mm. in a way that you should be and yeah it's really good.
1: through christian music and stuff like that it's yeah, yeah. really encouraging and my parents being encouraging to me through like just going through god's word and stuff like that
0: great thanks can we give them a clap thanks for coming up you'll get a lolly at the end well done uh there you go some interesting things there isn't it? we read the bible at home we have trivia we have christian music it's coming along with the church and those kinds of things um you imagine this the, the partnership that happens i mean think about it in terms of hours Uh, Kids and young ones might spend 60 to 80 hours a year here with the stuff that happens with church, play play group and youth group. But at home, there's thousands and thousands of hours during the year spent. And research says that a young person's worldview, seeing the world God's way, is actually set by the time they hit the age of 12. So thinking about God and, and how he works in the world and living God's way in the world is actually... Already been formed. You see how foundational a time is uh, when they're growing up. I'm sure you get people who will say, Well, you know what? You're just brainwashing your kids. Come on. You've got to let them figure it out for themselves. You Can't take them to church. And, yeah, you know, there'll be definitely a time when the, the rubber hits the road and they'll need to take it on for themselves and, and believe in God for themselves. But of course, you're going to teach truths really that you think are valuable and worth hearing. Really? I mean, you know. Don't touch the oven, Oven, it's hot. <laughs> uh, make sure you look both ways before you cross the road, otherwise you might get sideswiped by a car. Jesus died for you so you could be friends with God. You see, we teach valuable truths, don't we? Uh, we teach these truths and, and the consequences they have. So if you're a parent here, I wonder if you realise this great opportunity that you have in uh, raising your kids to trust Jesus and to follow him. Uh, If you're someone who's not a parent, I wonder if you realise the great opportunity that you have to support the parents as they raise their kids to follow Jesus. You know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. And so maybe just asking what to pray for the family, uh, for another family, is a great way to start. Uh, Personally, Jasmine and I are thankful for uh, the other parents within our church family who have given us advice on discipline and stuff like that. And we, we're extremely thankful for the support that we get from those who aren't uh, parents and the love and concern that they share uh, for our, our daughters. Now, of course, we can do all that we can as parents, as a wider church family, supporting each other uh, so that the young ones grow up to grow to love Jesus. But it, sadly, uh, it doesn't guarantee that they will trust in Jesus. And I'm sure you've seen uh, times of that. And this is the tragedy, isn't it, when the young ones no, actually, I don't want to believe in that. I want to turn away from that. But you see, all that we can do and all that we're encouraged to do in God's strength is pray and train and teach young ones about Jesus and to trust him. So if that's family celebrated in the Bible, the Bible also tells us of our new family with each other here in church through Jesus. Uh, And it's helped... Uh, it's helpful to remember that while the family at home is good and important, well, it's actually not everything. And Jesus reshapes how we think about family. You see, there was a time that Jesus was teaching in a crowd and Jesus' brother and mother uh, rock up to tell Jesus that he was just being a bit strange and he needed to pull his head in. And uh, in Matthew 12, someone comes to Jesus and says, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they're wanting to speak to you, Jesus. And Jesus replies to them, well, who who is my mother? who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, well, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mothers. You see, Jesus reframes what family is. And as the gathered people of God, as people who are gathered to Jesus and live for him, we, we are family. As the song goes, we are family. We are family. Regardless of your relationship status, whether you have a family with kids, whether you're single, whether you're a single parent or a married couple with kids, whether your family fits the happy, perfect, shiny family from the movies, or whether it's messy and complicated, whether kids have left home and the families of kids now have families of their own, whether you have kids still living at home, whether you're a young adult living under the roof of your parents, whether you're in your share house, when we trust in Jesus, we're all part of a great big church family, and we can welcome those in our community, regardless of their status. Those who don't have children, those who aren't married, those who are married with kids, who are different ages to us even. It's often hard because we, we like and we love those who are like us, but we can be welcoming as a, a one big church family. You see, being in this big family well, it comes with big responsibility. I grew up in a family of six kids and I'm the oldest of the six so this is kind of unspoken responsibility on me that I had to be a good example to my younger brother and my younger sisters. Now I'm not sure how I went at that at times, especially uh, when I'd get angry and storm off if I was asked to mow the lawn. Uh, I'm not sure how I went, you know, with that responsibility as the oldest uh, brother when I um, <coughs> accidentally set a bunch of newspapers on fire underneath the house. <laughs> accidentally and um, my brother was there watching on. I'm not really sure how I went, you know, taking on my responsibility as the oldest brother. But the, the family that we're in here through Jesus, we have a wider responsibility as one big family to those in our community who don't yet know Jesus and we have a responsibility to each other. And this is where I'd like to just quickly come back to what we read at Titus chapter 2. This is a letter written by Paul uh, to a bloke named Titus. And they're in a small coastal town, and the church is in danger of becoming so much like the culture that it lived in. Uh, the locals in town, the, the, the Cretans, well, they, they were, you know, really Cretans, but they were a nasty bunch. And Paul writes this to say, you to teach these things to the different age groups. Teach them to be countercultural to the community that you live in. And that's what we remember in our role as a big church family, is to be countercultural to the community that we live in here. so as we read this, just have a think about the responsibilities and where these might rest with you within this family here. It says there, "'Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith and love in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children.' be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything, teach the example by doing what is good. I'm not going to define which age category that you might fall into. I reckon you'd probably even fit into more than one. I wonder where you're at with these responsibilities within this family here that we call church. Where does it land for you? As an older bloke, will you take the responsibility of encouraging younger guys to be self-controlled, knowing that anger is something that just about every guy wrestles with? Will you point the younger ones to Jesus instead of their own rights? As an older woman, will you take on the responsibility of encouraging the younger women to be self-controlled, to love and respect their husbands' Maybe one day they'll grow to know what it looks like to love Jesus in the family, or if they don't get married, to know what it looks like to love Jesus in whatever situation they find themselves in. To the younger guys and, and the younger girls, well, we're actually told another part that uh, we're to treat older men, older women, as, as fathers, as mothers. And not thinking like well, they're just old fogies, maybe they just don't have really anything to offer us, but learning from the experiences that they've been through in following Jesus. Maybe as a place to start as one big church family is to just start by encouraging each other. Hey, that was really great when you served Jesus in that way. and hey, that was really great when uh, you're up there and sharing about uh, what it looks like to follow Jesus. You see, being in this real big family comes with real big responsibility, doesn't it? And the whole reason that we take on this responsibility this is all because... The grace of God has appeared to us. You see, this undeserved kindness that God has shown to us, giving up His Son Jesus to die in our place. Maybe tonight, or this afternoon, go home and read Titus two, and from verse eleven about God's kindness and favour to us, His undeserved people. And then think about what does it mean to. Have responsibility and to encourage others in our big church family here. Uh, to encourage each other in our marriages. Uh, to encourage our parents as they raise kids. To en- encourage uh, single people as they live for Jesus in whatever situation they find. Uh, there's a saying that I often say to Connect Youth guys when we have our um, small group time. This is something I heard one day a while ago. Everyone is willing to take their rights but not everyone is willing to take responsibility. I wonder where it lands for you this morning in this big church family uh, and even in the families in, home, in your home and being, taking on the responsibility of, of loving others with sharing the good news of Jesus with them and encouraging each other in that. Let's pray that we would. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you uh, that he gave himself up for us Father, help us to think about what it means to live in response to that in our families, in our bigger church family here. Father, we do thank you that you've shown to us an undeserved kindness and we pray that we live in response to it Uh, for the sake of your glory and we pray this in Jesus' name.